and welcome everyone back to the Secret Origins of Mint Condition. Um, I am again your host, James, and with me today is Chris. Hi there. And Joe. Bonjour. And we are in part two of our top ten picks. We've, we went through ten through six in our last episode. So now is our final four for uh, our top comic book and or comic book uh, storylines or series. Um, since uh, I started last time, well, let's just change it. So, uh, Chris, why don't we have you go first um, this time in the round robin? Sure, that is a thing I can do. Okay, my number four. Super easy here. Uh, this is our. This is the crossover. While we were um, between episodes, we were talking a little bit about whether or not there was going to be crossover. We come close a couple times, but uh, here it is: Tower of Babel, Mark Wade, my number four. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> I realized that, like, so when James brought it up and mentioned it, I was like, yes, 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 great, great pick, great pick. And I was, like, talking about all the details, and I was like, oh, this, that, and the other thing. I was like, I don't know if it could be any more clear that this is on my list. Like, I've got a terrible poker face, and uh, I missed this to confirm that. But, uh, yeah, oh, I I just, I love Tower of Babel. I think it's a great story. Um, for anybody who has not read Tower of Babel, but you've watched um, the animated flick Doom, Mm-hmm. It's it's Doom is based excuse me uh, Doom is based on Tower of Babel but it's not nearly as good. Tower of Babel is just it's a really well told story. The dynamic between the characters I like that we get to see those dynamics change in real time. Um, I like that we see some some really really again it's that ruthlessness that makes other heroes uncomfortable. And so I had talked about this in a previous episode and how I you know I like that. No matter how much people don't like Batman or don't trust him, the fact is he's always got a plan and his plans almost always work and they sort of don't have a choice but to, but to follow him. But this is this is where we start getting into that territory of like they've got really good reasons to not like him. It's not because he's right or it's not because he's brisk with them. It's because these 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 traps that he has devised for his friends, while they may be necessary fail safes, they are they are brutal. Right? They are, I mean, Flash has seizures. He's like, there are days I wanted to die. How long was I out? And they're like 16 minutes. And he, there's this, the way that he's drawn, it, it shut, and he says, oh God. And you can see that it was just agony that was visited on him by Batman. And, and um, you know, all very effective, but, but all brutal. The only person who goes down fast is Plastic Man. Everybody <laughs> else there, it's, you know, it's the killing of a god takes a really long time and that's what he's trying to do so um so love the story when i was younger because it showed just how clever and smart batman was love it when i'm older because it shows a very complicated power dynamic um and because it was really creative and and um and it brings one of my um you know brings rachel ghoul to the front there one of my favorite mm-hmm. villains and um so just just really wonderful and then that informed the next three to four arcs of JLA, which again, that's, that's the book I really got started on. And that was the book of which I had the longest run. So um, yeah, my number four tower of Babel, Mark Wade. Good, yeah. good choice. Good, good, choice. good choice. And, and if you really like look at it, like he basically not just brutal, like eventually all of the things he did to the people, except for Kyle would kill them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, Kyle, I mean, basically, yeah, you killed yeah. Kyle's livelihood and life um, by taking away his sight. But every everyone else, I, I wonder what was going to have a heart attack eventually. So I don't know, like, you know, like no, I, I wish you can come back easily from a heart attack. Each and every one of them, and the argument could be made. Well, 
by drawing it out, it guarantees that if they can be saved from the mind control or whatever, that they will be. But if they just need to be killed, this will do that. It will solve, ultimately, it will solve the quote, the quote, the problem, right? But, um, but I, I, it makes me think a little bit of that episode of Sherlock, uh, when he's, when Sherlock is giving the wedding toast for, um, for, for Watson. And he says, you know, if you want someone to solve your murder, you hire Sherlock Holmes. But if you want someone to save your life, you need Dr. John Watson. And this is where it's like, yeah, Batman, that's maybe a little bit too Sherlock. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. They're a great pick. Um, Joe, you're number four. My number four. Well, we started with uh, my number five was an origin tale. So let's uh, skip ahead to the Man of Steel's last tale, the death, funeral, and return of Superman. Yep. Yep. Um, this is the biggest one on my list. Obviously, comprises a year's worth of stories. And um, it's interesting, you know, this was done because um, they wanted to have Superman and Lois marry at this time, but the new TV show Lois and Clark was on the air, and they said, no, we need a couple of years to build up to that, so you guys got to do something else. So Jurgens is in the corner of the room at the uh, Superman meeting, whatever they call those things back then. He says, let's just kill the guy. And so, yeah, why not? And that's that's what, uh, so Dan Jurgens was the architect of, Killing Superman. And if you remember when the book came out, I remember it in condition, you know, the book in the black, uh, in the black bag with the black armband. All the speculators, because the early 90s were coming in, they thought this book was going to put their kids through school. You know, we knew Superman was coming back. We were sure he was coming back, sort of. But um, it, uh, you know, it was a critical success, but it was a gigantic marketing success economically. I think they sold three million copies that in that one day. So I still think it holds the record for the most copies sold of a comic book in one day. But, um, you know, how do you kill the Man of Steel? Well, you got to find something that's also from Krypton that can beat the hell out of him. And, <laughs> and Doomsday was it. He takes down the entire Justice League. He brutally beats the crap out of them. But he does to Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. is just, you know, it's a, it's very Batman, Chris. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, no joke. You know, it's, it's just, I mean... Booster gets the living crap kicked out of him. And um, the story goes on and on. If you remember, as the story progresses, uh, the way it's told over the four books, especially in the Jurgens book, this proper Superman book, uh, uh, the panels get larger and larger. We go from six to four until the, the death issue, which is every every issue is a, um, is a, is a splash page because it's so epic. It's just on a grand scale. And naturally, Superman dies in the arms of Lois Lane. I don't know why people didn't put two and two together. There, Lois is engaged to Clark, and she's—I guess—well, they must must have felt, "Oh, that's her best friend." But um, you know, I just thought that Jimmy and Perry might have thought, "Well, something's going on here that uh, we didn't know about previously." But uh, that's—you know—I guess that was just glossed over for the uh, for the dramatic effect of having him die in Lois's Lois's arms. But. you know, and of course, there's a, a hiatus. The book's going hiatus for a while. And we get the um, the funeral for the friend, of course. And then we get the uh, re- the return, which gives us some great characters. I mean, John Henry Irons, who uh, this year made his live-action debut on Superman and Lois, along with The Eradicator. Uh, Connor Kent, who last year made his live-action debut on the Teen t- on the Titans show. So, uh, and of course, it was a cyborg Superman. He was the least, I think, effective of those characters. The other ones have, have hung around and have, have had good stories uh, told, but uh, this this um, this is the first big guy. I couldn't overlook this. There are other gigantic stories, and this is the first death—not the first death that counts, because there's Gwen Stacy, obviously, 
but this is the first death of a major superhero. And I, I made the front page of Newsday that day. Great Cease's Ghost, They've Killed Superman was the headline. And um, it shocked people and it got people interested in comic books again, and Superman in particular. So that's why I like it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I recently, a couple of years ago, reread the whole collected thing. I read the collected death, the funeral for a friend, and, and the rebirth of Superman. And it's a great story. I mean, I, yeah. I liked it. I, I remember liking it when it first came out. And I remember liking all the characters. Um, I always thought that's, I always thought, and I obviously, you know, reading it, it was not right. Cyborg Superman should have been Metallo. I, I thought like it would have been a good twist that he ended up being Metallo, but they didn't go that way. Mm-hmm. But he was Hank Henshaw, a uh, ersatz version of Reed Richards. Right. Yes. Yes. Which they, they put in Supergirl, right? They put, yep. he, yeah, he ended mm-hmm. up, they did Cyborg Superman and that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, I agree with you, Joe. It, it was a great, it got me it, actually that I think it was the first time I read Superman was the death of Superman. So uh, I, it was a great whole year story arc. It drove people to the comic book stores in, in droves. It did. It really oh did. yeah. Great yeah. marketing, uh, great marketing, um, um, cool for DC. Yeah. Um, good choice. Good choice. Good choice, Joe. <clears throat> so Thank my uh, my number four pick is uh, Planetary by Warren mm. Ellis and John Cassidy. Um, it's an excellent, yeah, drawn beautifully, um, and it's a real um, love letter to all things pop culture, while at the same time being its own story. It's basically about a. Um, a three-man group um, who go around the world and um, try to stop any any type of evil or um, impending doom upon this reality, <clears throat> while at the same time trying to uncover a major conspiracy. Um, so the, the leader leader of the team is uh, Elijah Snow, who was born on the on in the year 1900 exactly, and he's 100 years old because this, this or 101 years old because I think the story. This book came out in 2001 Mm. Um, and he's joined up with uh, Jakita Wagner and who's like super strong and you'll find out why later and the drummer who can talk to machines and they're trying to stop this global conspiracy that um, spoilers again for those of you on Replanetary but maybe it'll intrigue you to read it there's a global conspiracy by an evil version of the Fantastic Four that's uh, trying to take over the world and um but the first volume of it, which is planetary all over the world, it takes takes you into like the first issue is they uncover a secret headquarters of a superhero team from the 19, I think, 50s or 40s, 1940s or 50s. That's comprised of someone like um, Tarzan and the Shadow and uh, Doc Savage is there mm-hmm. and uh, Edison, Thomas Edison is part of the team. And they, they discover multidimensional existence and they end up fighting an evil version of the Justice League in this issue. Um, and then the next issue after that is they go to a mysterious island in, off of the coast of Japan where nuclear bombs are tested and they discover all these huge monsters that look like Godzilla and Mothra and Ghidra. So it's just it's an excellent book. It's, it's, I love the entire 24-issue run. It's got tons of throwback. They even have a throwback to the Alan Moore um, in Frank Miller Age of Comics where they have a funeral for a character and, and Animal Man shows up and Swamp Thing shows up and a version of John Constantine shows up. And it's just, it's a real wonderful book if you're familiar with all this different type of stuff and want to see it put together in one story. Um, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I got to reread it again. It's been years since I read it. Still yeah. read it. I never have, but it's right there on my list now. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, Hoopla has all four volumes, so you can... Um, oh, excellent. 
And the character, Elijah Snow, is also, he's training to be a detective. So since he's lived 100 years, he gets trained by Sherlock Holmes in how to be a detective. It's just, it's just great. They, they tie in so much stuff into this, into this one narrative. Uh, I just think it's, it was really re- well done. That uh, Island of Monsters, that, that's a callback to a DC comic book and Star Spangled War Stories, a series called The War of the Time Forgot. Which is, oh, really? Oh. Uh, yeah, it's all, um, it's uh, two GIs. Actually, that's the origin of the Suicide Squad. Uh, that we know uh, we know of today, uh, movie just coming out just recently, the second one. But um, yeah, that's an island where the GIs are stuck on this island. They're fighting dinosaurs and pterodactyls and you name it. And it's all actually it's drawn by one of my favorite art teams, Andrew and Esposito. So you're right. He's he's uh, it is a pop culture uh, tribute to many different things. And, and uh, really great series. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, Chris, you're number three. All right, my number three. Um, this is my favorite creative team. I think there are a lot of really, really good creative teams out there. And, um, and, but, but this one is my favorite. And I mentioned them previously, Jeff Loeb and Tim sale. Um, and while I did enjoy the majority of the color, what I've come to call the color series, Mm -hmm. uh, daredevil yellow is my number. Ah. Um, I always sort of liked the idea of daredevil, but I never really read a lot of daredevil, um, so there was, I, so I had a bit of a, an odd relationship. Sorry. You could probably hear my kiddo thumping upstairs, <laughs> my, my, my four year old thumping upstairs. Um, was he know, watching the Yankee game? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my wife, no, actually probably watching the Mets. Chris, Chris, a Yankees fan. So there's this possibility that that's exactly what's happening. Okay. <laughs> um, but daredevil yellow. I, for me, it was, a, it, it started to be a little bit of a toss up between Daredevil Yellow and Spider-Man Blue, but I reread both and I, I just love the way Daredevil is, is written, but also drawn. I, the Spider-Man Blue felt a little bit, the, the choice of the color um, and, and the use throughout felt a little bit on the nose for me looking back. Still great, still great, wonderful, lovely little little Valentine to, to his funny little Valentine, Gwen Stacy, um, speaking to her uh, posthumously. But um, Daredevil Yellow, the the, the fact that's, that some of it is kind of a love story and talking about Karen, but he's talking about his dad and and the, the use of yellow in Daredevil Yellow is just, I just think it's wonderfully done. Um, I, I, I like the memories he has of his dad and the way he talks about him. Um, I, I like how much he struggles with what he feels is, is necessary that he must do, but isn't, isn't what he necessarily wants to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought Daredevil Yellow was a really lovely exploration of, of the Daredevil character. Um, so yeah, my number three, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, Daredevil Yellow. Great choice. Chris, how, how many were in that series? Is uh, There's a... Uh, how many issues or how many books? Well, no, I mean the, the, the color series. Uh, there's, uh, there was a the Hulk, was Hulk so Gray. There was, there was Hulk Gray and also Captain America White came out much, much later. I just read that, uh, I think, last year during the pandemic. I read, had it lying around it forever. And I, that was the one I liked the least. I think... There, I, I, I felt like, exactly the same way. Yeah, I, I, my two favorite are, are Daredevil Blue and, and uh, Daredevil Yellow, excuse me, and Spider-Man Blue. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were great, and I really, I have a piece of uh, a piece of art hanging on my wall from Hulk Gray. Um, but, but yeah, there were there were four as far as I know, and Captain America White just it just didn't 
I don't know. I don't know what it was about it that it didn't quite... I, I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to tell a love story, but a love story about friendship. And mm -hmm. that's that's a thing I really appreciate. I love the the relationship between, you know, Frodo and Sam. So I, I, I you know, I, I really, really deeply value my friendship. So it was a story that I really should have loved. But for for whatever reason, it just didn't... Um, it, work, yeah. it didn't sit... Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't sit with me the way that those other three did. Um, but as far as I know, there are only, there are only four, the four of them. Okay. Yeah, I have not... Uh, Daredevil Yell is a great pick, Chris, and Spider-Man Blue is great. And um, I like the Hulk one, and I, I haven't read the Captain America one. So based upon your two your two's review of it, I'm not sure it's high priority <laughs> on my list, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It feels like we're all probably on the same page here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was an excellent pick, Chris. Um, so, uh, Joe, what's your uh, number three? Well, my number three uh, is a cautionary tale. It's Superman Annual number 11 uh, by Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, for the man, uh, for the man who has everything. Uh, it was made into a, a fantastic half-hour mm, yes. animated great series. Choice. I was not following when you said Superman Annual 11. I had to look it up, but yeah. great choice. 1985. This, I mean, again, be careful what you wish for. You might get it. He, you know, he gets what he wants, and then it's all ripped away from him. Um and it's 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 horrifying to watch as it's ripped away from him, and, and uh, it's also horrifying to watch what um, Mongo was doing to Wonder Woman, Batman, and Robin at the same time. It's um, it's it's a story of the mind. It's a story uh, of Superman's heart and, and what he would be, what he would be if he lived on Krypton, uh, if he hadn't exploded. But um, you realize that you know you, you can't have you can't have everything you want in life, and um, he was sent here for a reason. Might have been a cosmic reason. Maybe not just Jarrell's uh, pointing him towards Earth. And um, you, you really get this this feeling that okay, um, this is why he's here. He's he's here to fight for truth, justice, in the American way, and to to, to help to help the uh, the the downtrodden and, and those who can't fight for themselves. And um, you you can't. And even though he he wants more, uh, he can't have it. But uh, and this is back in the in the time before the the romance bloomed and the you know before the uh, the the, the burn um, uh, rewriting and, and Lewis and Clark became a uh, a thing and then eventually got married. This was still Superman um, being written as you know you know Earth's greatest protector and you've got to give up something usually your life to have that. Uh, so it works on that level. But um, it's just it's just a very it's an action-oriented story, but I see it more as a, you know, a tale of the heart, you know, and uh, it's just, it just just works. And I reread it once a year, at least, sometimes more than that, Beautiful and beautifully rendered by uh, Gibbons also, you know, so just a uh, great choice. Terrific choice, Joe. I love, I love that choice. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's, it's wonderful. I love that. And the episode of the Justice League based upon it is great. Oh, um, that's great. I think I think one of my funniest moments from that episode. I don't think it's a com the com comic. Yes. comic, but no, it's, it's not. In, it's not in the comic. But it, I know where you're Wonder, going with this. You wonder what was flying in with Batman, and mm -hmm. she's like, "Well, so what do you get? What did you get? The man who has everything." He's like, "Cash, cold hard, <laughs> hard cash." cash. <laughs> and there's this, there's the this scene in, in the in the uh, animated version when um, he looks his son in the eye and he goes, "Val, I think it's Val." He goes, "I don't think you're real." And the kid starts tearing up. Daddy, don't say that. And he goes, no. And it's, it's, it's there in the comic book, too. And, and in both places, it's so, I don't know, I'm a loss for words here. It's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's brutal. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And you feel so 
feel so bad for Superman. And it's like, uh, he's Superman. Why should I feel bad for him? Well, because he's Superman. He's a man. And he's having a family ripped away from him. And that's, you know, that's terrible on, yeah. on, all, on many levels. So just a great, great comic book. Absolutely. That was a, it's a great pick, Joe. Um, so my uh, number three is a, is a callback a little bit to uh, the last episode. Is um, Sandman Volume 1, Preludes and Nocturnes. Nice. Again, by Neil Gaiman. And I think the artist on this was Sam Keith was one of them. Mike... Um, Durenberg Dur- and Malcolm Jones III. Um, this is uh, the start of the epic. I mean, Chris, the book you picked was amazing. All the SMM books are amazing. Um, I just picked this one because th- this is what got me into the story. And I like where we meet the Sandman Morpheus as he's been enslaved for 70 years and he's finally free. And it's his journey to reclaim the stolen items that he had with him when he was enslaved and then to basically take back his realm and you get to, um, you get to see him go to hell and battle for his helm with the, the, with, with the demons. And you realize that hell has been subdivided by two, three different entities when he encounters Lucifer. Um, you get to see him, um, go head to head with a justice league villain, um, Dr. Destiny to reclaim one of his lost items. Right. And uh, yeah, he teams was, up with. Oh man, that blew me away when I saw that. I was like, "Oh, this is great!" It was great. And Doctor Destiny is such a despicable character. Yeah. Like he's sympathetic but despicable at the same time. In the way Neil Gaiman writes him in that story, and um, and John Constantine goes on a journey with Morpheus to re- regain his uh, his bag of uh, magical sand, and you get to see this uh, relationship that John Constantine had with this woman who is an addict, and what this um, dream world dust has done to her. It's it's just also well written, and then the last uh, story of that first volume is when he meets his sister Death, um, and you get to see what Death is in, uh, I guess, in this version of the DC universe written by Neil Gaiman, and you also get to see like it, it's they basically have a brother sister dynamic where she's yelling at him for boping around, and like she's basically like enjoy life. Meanwhile, we see her going on the journey and taking people to their next uh, spot um, in their existence. So I, it's. Again, all of the books are great. I just chose this one because it's a great launching point and it, it shows you how low the character is so that you get to really enjoy the different highs and lows he goes through as uh, through the Sandman saga. Very cool. I got my homework cut off me. Terrific choice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Joe, it would definitely, Chris and I would love to, probably love to hear your opinion once you start reading the Sandman. Yeah. Um, all right, we are on to number two, Chris. Oh, top two. The top number two. two. All right. Uh, so this is this is I think the only I, I do have a um, a repeat writer, but this is a but this is a repeat team for me. My number two is once again Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, uh, and this time it's Dark uh, Victory. Oh, I really really enjoy the heck out of Dark Victory. Um, don't get me wrong, I I love what they did together on Long Halloween, and and I really really enjoy it. But what I really like about Dark Victory is I love I love the dynamic with Robin, I think is really what it comes down to. I love the moment in the book when Batman is just beating himself up and he can't figure out this puzzle. And he's got this little kid buzzing around and what have I done? He's so annoying. And finally, <laughs> you know, he, you know, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what what it is he notices but i i think that it but at some point dick goes oh 
Well, that could be an O, right? That doesn't have to be an A. That can be an O. And Bruce suddenly goes, oh, my God. You know, like, he had been so locked into his solution of the puzzle that, that he was overlooking the very real possibility that he was wrong. And it's Dick who figures it out. And when Batman looks down at him, Dick's like, huh? Could it be? <laughs> like, so I I have the um, the graphic novel. I have the compilation. I, I, I these weren't. I don't have these issues, uh, in these individual issues. But um, but in the beginning, when I'm reading it, you know, Jeff Loeb is talking about how he he has always disliked. Uh, see if I remember this correctly, because it might be sort of a flip side of the coin where I only remember part of the narrative. But but Jeff Loeb is talking about how he doesn't like Robin. It's never made sense for for there to be a Robin to Batman because Batman is so dark and Batman's a loner. And whoever he was talking to was like, yeah, but that's but that's it. Don't you get it? Like, don't you get it that that's that's why Robin is there in the first place? And so something clicks for him and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I'm with you now. Um, And it's so it's just it's that different way of looking at things. So, like, I love that in Dark Victory, there are these these big splashes of color uh, when Robin shows up, and for the very, very last uh, confrontation, when uh, the villains are storming, the, they they don't realize they're doing it, but they they accidentally discover the Batcave, and they're storming it. And Batman is told Robin to go away, and sure enough, Robin shows up and like you know hits Two Face and says, "Let's take him, Batman." <laughs> and it just makes for this great, great splash. You know, where Batman and Robin are fighting, uh, one, you know, they're sort of crisscrossing. Um, you know, Two-Face is there, Joker is there, and they're, they're fighting. And, um, and at some point, I don't remember, Joker gets the upper hand and starts monologuing. And it's at that point that, like, <laughs> that Robin hits him in the mouth breaking a bunch of his teeth hits him with like what looks like a pool cue basically and just a screwball corner pocket um and so there's there's that element there of of i love that the story itself is good but it ends with the beginning of batman and robin so my number two jeff Loeb and tim sales dark victory that's a wonderful choice it's yeah it's great it's great i mean Tim Sale, Jeff Loeb, like I know we already discussed the Captain America, White was not their best work, but they, I think even all their work, I think has merit, at least part of it. I mean, having not read the Captain America one, I'm sure, I'm sure there's something in it that's still like, sure, there. sure. I might just need to revisit it too. But, but um, yeah, but Dark Victory, Long Halloween is like some of their, their top stuff, um, you know, especially adding to the mythos and the legend of Batman and Batman and Robin is, is, is great stuff. Good stuff. All right, Joe, what is your number two? My number two is really 1A. Uh, I had trouble with these two. These uh, this one and two. They, <laughs> I'm so you know, excited to hear these, Joe. I'm so excited. They're both by the same creative, the same creative team, but somebody's got to be number two, so you know, somebody's going to be Avis. So that's Batman Year One. This is 404 to 407 by nice. Frank Miller and David Masuchelli. Uh Jim Gordon, a grown-up Batman, arrived in Gotham at the same time. One's looking to start over. One's looking for to begin an epic purpose to bring up uh, you know to, to his life and you know we got this clean cop who's 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 now part of this the most corrupt police department in america outside of bloodhaven probably and we got bruce trying to send into motion his master plan to you know to um com combat evil and it's all so elegantly done in and we've spoken about this in the previous episode in a minimalistic way through the uh, the, uh, the artwork of david mazicelli 
And uh, there's just enough on each page, whether it be, you know, uh, verbal content or, or, uh, or uh, uh, visual to move the story along. And it, you just get drawn into these two characters. To Jim, it's really Jim Gordon's story, ultimately. And um, these two worlds collide eventually. Um, I like to say they collide cataclysmically because this is also the one origin of Selena Kyle. She's there. So we get to see Selena's origins too. And they clean that up later on for a younger audience, obviously. But um, it's, uh, you know, Gotham is a, is, is a hell of a terrible town. And, and uh, these two men are going to, they're going to clean it up. If it's the last thing to do. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just spectacular the way they, the way the story is told. It, it, it's, it's so, you know, again, I like my Batman to be no frills. I wish Batman could have stayed this way for, forever. You know, uh, a few years ago, we got um, billionaire Batman, and he had this suit that was able to, he could don, he could, he could punch Darkseid with. That's ridiculous. Batman doesn't need to be punching Darkseid. Yeah. Batman should, yeah. you know, <laughs> no, that's for Superman and, and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern to do. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, not Batman. So Miller strips everything down. He takes it down to the basics, and uh, and Master Chelly just follows him. And um, it's basic. It's Batman. You know, year one, Batman one hundred one, whatever you want to call it. But it's uh, it's a beautiful origin story. And again, adding to the origin. You know, if you can add something to the origin, it's okay. It's you're not. It's not heresy, but just be true to the uh, the uh, the beginning, and and then go ahead, have at it, add on. And this 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 certainly doesn't. So this is my number two, which is really 1A, though. Really terrific choice. It just narrowly missed the list for me. But oh. um, but I agree with, with everything you said. Um, I, I like the precision of language and, of course, the, uh, you know, the, the whole uh, element of calling in the bats as backup, which they stole mm-hmm. from oh, Batman Begins. Yep. Great storytelling. Yeah, I think uh, I love I love that you see Batman like screwing up, like his first yeah. his first night out like doesn't go so well. That's right. Um, <clears throat> which I like. Yeah, he also borrowed. It's a bit that. of an understatement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, it's very it true. Go so well, and and it, it you know I like how they use that in Batman Begins. They also used it as part of a Mask of the Phantasm a little bit, I think, as well. When yep, they were telling they sure his did. origin story. Yes. So I appreciate that. Um, you know the stories we've talked about Batman so far. He's already the master detective, so it's 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 nice when they portray him like get back to the fact that he is the the man in Batman. I guess like he's mm-hmm. still he's still a man, mm-hmm. um, and that man had to learn how to become Batman. Yeah, he's not he's not the urban legend yet. Yeah, and, and uh, I think he, sometimes he's written as the he's now written. I think like a lot of people like he he never he never was like the beginner. Like you know Batman Batman does sometimes lacks the compassion for people who like are starting out or trying to start in their hero's journey. Um, but uh, I like when, when he's a little bit more compassionate and, and it's more in touch with the man. Sometimes he's still, oh, whole, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, this is a Batman you can identify with. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. This is a Batman That's you can identify with. I, he, he, you're right. He very often ends up being written as though he is, Athena having burst fully formed from her <laughs> oh, father's that's head, a great ref, um, great you know, ref. but I, this also, it, but it's, but it's the human parts of him that can sometimes be surprising. It's, it's, um, you know, Joe, Joe going back to, I don't know, maybe the first episode we recorded, um, you know, I love that, that Orion in the, that episode of justice league unlimited, um, Orion doesn't, he just sees flash goofing off, goofing around. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, really just not not being effective or not being efficient. And Batman is the one who has to call him off because Batman knows about Wally's heart and and, mm-hmm. and respects it. And um, and that's the kind of thing that I, I like seeing from Batman, too. So um, so, yeah, it's it's I agree, James, that like, yeah, there are times where he doesn't he doesn't show compassion, but th- he should be showing compassion for people who are just who are just beginning or who made made a, a slip up or um yeah oh i love that choice love that choice thank you uh, it was great joe yeah so uh piggybacking joe a little bit off of you with with batman my my number two pick is batman the court of owls saga Ooh. by uh, scott snyder and greg capullo um i think and I just re- I reread this in preparation for the the episode, and I still it really holds up for me. I mean, I know there's so many great Batman stories, but I think I like this one because it was so different, at least in my opinion, and new from Batman. Like there there are the legendary Batman stories, but um, you know, Batman's always in control in those stories, as we just talked about. He always knows the game. He he seems like he's he is fighting the bad guy, and he's trying to figure out what's going on, but he's. He's already sort of sure of himself that he's seen this before, whereas the Court of Owls is like something that Batman's like, it's just an urban myth. And the whole story is like, well, you're an urban myth. And he's like, well, I know this is an urban myth because I searched for it and it doesn't exist. <laughs> and then like halfway through the storytelling, he realizes, oh, this is, this is not an urban myth. This is, this is real. And mm-hmm. I, I apparently don't know everything that goes on in Gotham. And I liked seeing Batman in that spot where he has to sort of like question what what do I really know and how much do I really know about Gotham? Like Gotham, the city was my ally. Now it's my enemy because um, the Court of Owls has like set up locations throughout all of the Wayne buildings. Mm. And, you know, I know some people had some some issues with it, um, but I, I like also the fact they introduced this possible like question mark type of thing that whether or not Bruce Wayne had a a brother that, you know, Bruce, like, is not 100% sure lived or died, but I, I thought it added just a di- psychological element to Bruce um, in the final fight with this, you know, s- supposed lost um, sibling. And um, and I just, I just like, you know, Bruce being thrown off balance and having to, like, regain himself. And most of the, what the Court of Owls does to him is psychological and making him doubt and trust his own instincts. And uh, eventually Bruce uh, comes out in the end. He's, he's beaten to hell. Um, he gets into a fight with Nightwing, which is great to see their dynamics um, mm-hmm. as a, more of a father and son at this point. Um, so it's 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 just a great great story, I, I feel. And um, you know, there's there's so many great Batman stories, but this I felt was the most inventive one in the last few years for Batman's uh, entire mythology. Yeah, that was that's that's early on in in, in uh, Snyder's run, right? And uh, <clears throat> that's uh, the first yeah. that's the first so, two volumes. First, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go back and reread that. I'm pretty sure I started that and never finished it, so I'm gonna have to go back and read that. Yeah, I think it's uh like I said, I it, it was it was tough to choose this one because, but I just like I said for the reason I said, like it's just it's Batman like a way I haven't seen him written in a long time. Maybe maybe like just comparing to year one, like year one he's thrown up bounds because he doesn't know what he's doing, and this one he's his overconfidence kind of is his downfall a little bit. Definitely, yeah. No, and and the way you strike at Batman is psychological. You can't. You can't brawl with him, obviously, and and you can't you can't think him sure. on a tactical level. So you've got to um, you've got to try to find a way to get to get into his head. And um, I don't know if anyone would go in there, like you may not come yeah. out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a place I don't want to be. <laughs> 
God help us. But yeah, it's uh, these these stories. Uh, these these are some of the best best Batman stories that Snyder wrote early on in his run. I'm not a fan later on as we continue, especially when we get to that zero year. I don't get that one. I've got to reread that. Maybe it's me. But um, you know, at the beginning, he was cooking also in the Snyder uh, with 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 with, uh, with his Batman stuff. Yeah, the, the follow-up to that is, um, well, he has a, a very nice Mr. Freeze story where yep. he reinvents the character a little bit, and then um, and he and has, then he death, has death, death of the Family. Death yeah. of the Family, that's very good too, yeah. Yeah, and and, um, and then Zero Year, I know, again, it's questionable. It's like a re-retelling of Year One, but uh, I think there's some good parts to it, but it does go off the rails in some parts. I mean, he, he instead of making it like one volume, it, it ends up being as big as Court of Owls, where it's like a 12-issue series, which I think yeah. I think it could have been if he had trimmed out some of the excess stuff in there, I think it could have been tighter. I think the story would have been a little bit better, but um, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think there's some good parts, but I agree as, as Snyder's run gets longer and longer, it goes a little bit more askew in, mm-hmm. in terms of like where keeping Batman more grounded and more Batman, it come, comes, it gets a little lost in, in the weeds a little bit, but yes. yeah, I think it does. Yeah. All right. It's the big moment. Oh yes. All right. Chris, uh, yes. number, number one. one. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. A little, little. <laughs> um, so this feels a little anticlimactic to me, just because to me this was there was no other choice based on when I was reading, what I was reading, what I enjoy, um, and and I'm sure that anybody out there listening who who, um, you know, I don't even think you necessarily need to know me. I think if you were listening to the list. And if you certainly if you heard um, what I want out of my stories and who some of my favorite heroes are, I think this will come as a surprise to to yeah. very few of you, if, if not, you know, come as a surprise to nobody. Um, but my number one is Mark Wade and Alex Ross Kingdom Come. Ah. Um, nice choice. That to me, uh, I don't want to say it's a, a no brainer because I think it's the best comic story. That's not what this list was about for me. Um, because I think there's there are a lot of things to consider, but but for me, Kingdom Come just really it just tells such a great story. I like that we get to see where all the you know in this in this else world we get to see where where all the different heroes have gone. We get to see what it would take to dislodge Superman as the hero of the world, um, and it makes it makes sense in a way. And and it, and there's an element here that I appreciate that Superman's downfall is is not caused by brainwashing or finally getting sick of everything. Um, it's, it's a misguided vision of justice. And so sure enough, there on the other side of the coin is, is Batman. He's on the other end of the battlefield and uh, they both rally, both sides rally their forces to them, them. And um, I like, I like the way the story is told. I, you know, we talked about how, um, art doesn't always have to be super realistic. That's not always the best way to tell a story. Sometimes you want to go for minimalistic. You want to go for suggestive. You want to go for exaggerated. One of the things I said I really enjoy about Ms. Marvel uh, is the way that she looks so goofy sometimes when she's in Big End. Um, you know, so... But here, it really, it works. You know, we see a man striding among giants recruited by by the Spectre. Um, we get to see these different heroes, some of whom who've tapped out and are interested in coming back, such as Aquaman, such as Green Lantern. Um, man, I just, it's heartbreaking what happened to Martian Manhunter. He was so desperate to understand and, and embrace humanity that in a moment, that 
I think it's described as this terrible moment. He opens his mind to the world and it, and it just shatters him. Uh, but she, but he still manages to come back and, and help Bruce one last time. All the stuff with Billy Batson, Captain Marvel. Um, again, I just, I think I, I just, <clears throat> excuse me. I just love everything about kingdom come. And, uh, yeah, I just, I can't say enough good things about the story. So like I said, I don't think that's necessarily a surprise. I think kingdom come tops a lot of people's lists, but, but for me, that was like an easy, um, some of the other ones shift around in the order, but for me, it was an easy Mark Wade, Alex Ross kingdom come at number one. Do you think that'll ever change, Chris? Because I, because when I don't think my top number one's ever going to change, but because you know, when you, it's your number one story, you think that's always going to be there? You think they'll? They, I mean, um, is there something you've read in the past that you think that could someday supplant it, or or what? Just um, I'm intrigued by the whole idea of a number one story. It's you know, saying to James before we started earlier, we've, between the three of us, we must have read hundreds of thousands of comic book stories, and to pick one, but. I mean, you're so definitive about that. And I'm going to be pretty definitive about mine too. But I, I also wonder, you know, how long, I mean, you know, if, how long that would last. And, and, and with the way comics are being written today, I don't think anything new is going to, is going to take the place of our number ones. But, um, you know, there's something, you know, I might read something in that Sandman collection that, that might, uh, I doubt it, but might knock my number one off the, uh, off the top tier. But um, just, you know, what do you think? Anything that could happen that could bring bring it a change? I think maybe, uh, but it's it's tough because it's it's pretty deeply ingrained in my <sighs> history as a comic reader. You know, it has a special place there, sort of like Batman the Animated Series. If I watched it at a virgin viewing of it now, maybe I feel differently about it. But it holds up after all this time, but is also a very like very entangled with my my past, my growing up, my love of the, the hobby. And so I feel the same way about Kingdom Come. That's great. That's so it's hard for me to, to envision a moment in which the only way I think, and this is going to sound a little bit off, but the only way I see it being a drop from grace, fall from grace, is I think if I found out something about Mark Wade or Alex Ross that, that personally uh, made me unhappy with them, not just as artists, but as people, um, oh. I've had that happen before where I like uh, an actor or I like a writer. Orson Scott Card um, is a great example. I, I love Ender's Game, but then I discovered that Orson Scott Card is is a homophobe. And ah. there's some other stuff there, too, that I'm just like, okay, well, I still like Ender's Game. But, yeah, that is my understanding and my appreciation for the book is now colored by that knowledge. And uh, whether I like it or not drops it down my list. So that's, I think, the only thing that probably is likely to dislodge Kingdom Come, honestly. My, my favorite horror film is Rosemary's Baby, and we know who directed that movie, right? Right, right. So, yeah. It can be tough. I ran into this, too, with, with um, you know, David Tyree, that, that as much as I love that, that helmet catch, to find out that he later on said, well, I would give it back if gay people could never get married. That oh, I never heard that. Really? He said yeah. that? Yeah, well, that not in the league anymore. For me, so oh. he's like, I, uh, that catch meant meant everything to me, and I would give it back if gays could not get married. And when I found that, when I learned that, what a know, I just it just broke my heart, and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm still, you know, that that run and that Super Bowl win, it's still magic for me, but now it's it's forever tainted by by that, and um, and so I think it would take 
honestly, as, as grim as that sounds, I think yeah. it would take learning something like that to really shake, excuse me, um, um, Kingdom Come from the top of my list. Okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, Kingdom Come is a, is a great, great pick. I mean, it's, um, um, it's, Alex, they, they wrote the characters in, they updated them, but still kept them very pure to their essential arcs. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, I guess, argue, you know, it's hard to like, th- those are the quintessential characters that are depicted in there. I mean, they're older and they've made different choices and some things didn't go right, but they are still the, still the characters, I guess, all the universal aspects of them are still there. Um, so it's, 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 I guess, it's hard to argue with, with Kingdom Come. It, it almost made my top 10 too. So. Yeah. yeah. Chris, I have a hot cover uh, autograph by Alex Ross. Oh, that James, sounds, you have to remember this, right? beautiful. Yeah, uh, I won that. I went. I won four tickets to that signing at the uh, Warner Brothers store in the. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Did, yeah. did you? That's you didn't come, right? Uh, no, I went there. I, I actually, I didn't buy. I he actually was kind enough. He had postcards. If you just sat away on the line, he signed like a postcard for me of the print he was selling. But did you come with Richie and I the night we went? I don't know. No, so, I, no, I don't think so. It was me, Richie, Steve, and um, oh, um, well, I can't think of his name now. Ray, Ray. Oh, it was okay. Ray. Yeah. And yeah, so Chris, I've got a hardcover. It's one of my prized possessions. Damn straight. <laughs> very nice, very yeah. nice. Yeah. So, so that's it. my number one. Yeah. All right. Great choice. All right, Joe, um, your number one. Well, my number one is by the same team, Miller and Mazzuccelli. Uh It's a little bit, uh, you know, it's um, Daredevil, Born Again, issues two twenty six to two thirty three. The Kingpin has learned, you know, Daredevil's secret identity. And he proceeds to deconstruct his life, and he does it. He takes everything away from him. He takes his practice away from his friends, everything. I mean, Daredevil literally winds up sleeping in the streets. And uh, the only thing that keeps Matt going is his, what he inherited from his father, his ability to fight on. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of deconstruction stories, you know, although I do like Watchmen. That's in my top 20 if we're going to do a top 20. But um, this is a personal, this is not an epic, um, like, like Watchmen. This is a personal uh, story of a, of a man having his life falling apart and it's and it's a man having his life falling apart not a superhero really yeah you really see him in, in costume until the very end and um, you just get this 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 picture of, of these two great creators of, of how this man's life is just you know going down the toilet spinning down the toilet and if it wasn't for his 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 passion to fight on he would he wouldn't be able to rise up from it. He has help at the end from the Avengers by old people. They come in and Captain America also, who takes down the Kingpin's federal agent. I forget the guy's name. He's got a flag on his face. So he's probably some right wing lunatic. But um, uh, it's, you know, and, and, and what's interesting about this story is even though Daredevil loses everything, and, we, and the reason why he loses it, Cameron Page is down south somewhere in South America, and for she sells off his identity for, for another hit. And she's brought into the story at the end, and, and he forgives her. And, um, you know, I, I, and he's wrestling with his Catholic guilt, obviously, through this. We also meet his mother. We think it's his mother. We're pretty, we discussed this, right, James? That nun yeah. is his mother, right? Yeah, yeah. well, in the, in the Kevin Smith Guardian Devil, I think it pretty much is, he pretty much confirms it is his he mother. He confirms, yes. Yeah. And um, so he's, you know, either through his faith, and um, and his and, and and the remembrance of his father and what his father gave him, he's able to 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 overcome this this terrible personal tragedy and forgive the one person that that you know basically brought it on, and um, they 
go off hand in hand to protect and live in the neighborhood where he grew up, Hell's Kitchen. And they protect the, uh, and they fight for the people that can't fight for themselves. It's, um, it's hard to say this again, because, you know, we we're talking about this before, Chris, if it would change. I don't think this will change for me. And I think I'm going to go one step further and say, I think this is not only the best Marvel story ever, comic book story ever written, but at least for all the comic book stories I've ever written, I've ever written, yeah, I wish, don't I? I've ever read. <laughs> I think this is the best comic book wow. story of all time. I really do. That is, I, that is a I love thing, man. Yeah. Well, you know, this is just, uh, it, 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 I reread it at least two or three times a year and I just read it to prepare for this last week and it, it still holds up. It's 30 years later, uh, whatever it is. And it's still, it still wows me every time. So that's, that's my a great one. choice, Joe. Very nice. That, yeah. That was, I'm going to, I'm going to have to read it now. I have no choice. I have to read it now. You have to read this. You have to. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great choice. It was, I, uh, again, it was battling for my top 10 as well. Um, but it's, yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing book. So I, I can't agree more with that choice for a top one pick. Um, okay. all right. So my, uh, the top of my list is, is going back to the uh, Swamp Thing run with Alan Moore and it's Swamp Thing issue number 50. Ah, which is the culmination of, uh, I guess, the dark saga Swamp Thing has been on since Alan Moore took over the book and introduced the character of John Constantine. And um, it kind of, it's the culmination of Swamp Thing has been, John Constantine running him around the world, teaching him and showing him all these dark, evil stuff that's been going on and exposing him to the horrors of the world. And now um, this great ancient evil has been awoken and that has been you know, asleep and in prison since the dawn of time, and now it has risen. And uh, Swamp Thing, once again, goes into the afterworld, and he is uh, greeted by the Spectre, Phantom Stranger, the Demon, um, and they, ma- they amass the forces of heaven and hell to fight this uh, monster. And meanwhile mm-hmm. on Earth, John Constantine assembles the first incarnation of Justice League, which will be later Justice League Dark in the future, mm-hmm. the Zantana, Zatara, Doctor Occult, um, Cain and Abel even make an appearance in this, oh, in this book. That's right. that's and um, Doctor Fate shows up in the in the afterworld to support Swamp Thing in his campaign, and this uh, ancient evil just basically rises up and is basically ripping through the um, the forces of heaven with their angels and. It rips through Etrican and it rips through the Spectre um, and it rips through Dr. Fate and it, it keeps, as it absorbs its, those these characters into him, it keeps wanting to know what evil is. And the Spectre teaches him that, teaches this dark force that evil is vengeance and, mm. and Etrican teaches it that it's, uh, that evil is contempt and Dr. Fate, I think, teaches it that, that evil is, um, uh, ven- is, is also vengeful and so he keeps not evil doesn't know what it is and nobody's giving it the answer and then Swamp Thing having gone on this long journey walks just walks into it he's not absorbed in it he doesn't fight it and the thing says what is evil and Swamp is like I'm not sure what evil is but I think what evil is is that when it's I think overcome and defeated it becomes the soil in which virtue can grow out of and the evil's mm-hmm. like I had not thought of that and then it says, you may pass. And it basically lets Swamp Thing out. Um, and this dark force basically rises up into the heavens to do, I guess, whatever battle with heaven. And it's it's descri- It's drawn that two hands are basically encountering each other. There's a golden shining hand representing heaven and the dark hand representing 
this dark force of hell. And the two of them basically merge together and form a yin and yang. And that's how the story ends where the light and darkness become the opposites of each other. <laughs> and um, the realms of hell are like, I guess, reordered and the dark um, justice league dark. Um, I, they, they suffered many casualties and John Constantine has lent his support to help Swamp Thing in the afterlife, but Zatara, Zatanna's father, is killed during this whole thing. So she is uh, angry at John, and um, and Swamp Thing basically goes back to the forest. So it's like it's this you know this whole like more philosophical, uh, metaphysical battle of what is good and evil. So um, you know it was it's hard to choose from my list what what my number one is, but. I thought that's that story is like the highlight of the Alan Moore run of Swamp Thing, so that's why I chose that. That's the level Alan Moore worked on. Now I don't know about him. You know, I think he's he's on an island somewhere with Frank Miller. And they're probably just drooling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that's that was him at his height, definitely. I got to go back and read that now. How, how many issues leads up to that, lead up to that issue, Jim? Um, I think he wrote. If let me say, I wrote the issue. That was issue 50, and he right. started on issue 19. 19, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 1920 is the first, yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm, looking a, to, I'm looking forward to digging into Swamp Thing. I really, yeah. I was never, I was never really a fan. I didn't really know anything about Swamp Thing, but a, a friend of mine, a guy I really, really respect and enjoy here uh, in St. Louis, his name is Tony, loves Swamp Thing. James, I know you love Swamp Thing. We've talked about it a couple of times, and and he's shown up in my, he showed up in my reading occasionally, but especially lately, as I've been like, ah, I guess I should read some some of the newer stuff. So I've been reading New Fifty Two and everything, and and he shows up so frequently. I have a proclivity for something like Justice League Dark. I love the idea. I don't love how it's being executed right now, but but I but I love the idea of Justice League Dark. Um, and the animated flick was pretty good, the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I'm looking forward to reading more Swamp Thing because. I now know, you know, a bunch of people who really like Swamp Thing, and um, and I'm intrigued. So I'm looking forward to giving it a read. Yeah, just, I, just, I'm sorry. The Justice League Dark uh, right now is a been consigned to uh, as a backup feature to the current Justice League book. Well, when I pick it up, Justice League, I immediately turn to Justice League Dark in the back because the, the the Justice League book is being stories being written by Bendis, and it's not even worth mentioning. Yeah. But um, it it just seems that the Justice League Dark, the whole concept. Just brings out the best in, in the writers. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I love the ideas. I don't love how they're all necessarily being executed, but um, mm-hmm. but I like the characters, and I think there are a lot of directions they can go with them. So um, but I but I've never just read Swamp Thing, so I think it's time I rectify that. Yeah, yeah, you'll enjoy. It. I highly recommend. I mean, listen, the original, the first two, like if if you go for the Hoopla app, they have the volume one and volume two of the Omnibus which the volume one is great as the original Bernie Wrightstein Len Wynn stories, which are mm-hmm. amazing, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And even the second volume has some good stuff. The third volume, I, I, I'm a Swamp Thing fan. It was tough. <laughs> it was, it was the first time they did like, I guess a year or two long arc. Um, and I just didn't enjoy it. But after that arc, when they move from, I guess volume three was the start of the saga of Swamp Thing. And when you hit the Alan, Alan Moore stuff is I would say the Swamp Thing run not only changed the character of Swamp Thing, obviously, but I think it influenced a lot of the writing that came after it for other heroes. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, like it, his uh, his like inter- reinterpretation of Swamp Thing's origin is is again um, it changes it, puts it on its head, and I think it's like one of the better reinventions of a character's origin. It's it's very simple because it's basically a coin flip, but it's so it's so brilliant when you think about it. 
Yeah. Well, so, and it's, I think the character is pretty much like, even though they've rebooted him many times, he's it's always evolves into that Alan Moore origin at some point. Where mm-hmm. you know, again, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it, Chris. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people, we, we've ruined a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> right, right. We're, we're gonna, gonna put that spoiler at the beginning of this episode. We're gonna have to put it in the yeah. notes. Hey, lots of yeah. lots of teasers. If you hear, you hear the name of a story that you don't want spoiled, uh, fast forward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I will say you don't have to wait long. Like, wait long. I think the the first part of Alan Moore's thing, the anatomy lesson, is is issue nineteen of his run. So once okay. you pick it up, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much for for sharing your your stories. Oh. I'm so excited to to read them and, and catch up. Yeah, so not to like confuse good. everything, but before we wrap up this episode, because I know Joe, do we want to do any honorable mentions that almost made the top ten? Anybody I'll have? give you I'll give you just a few. Uh, I, I mentioned one before that's fantastic for number fifty one. This this uh, this man, this monster. The, the you know it's considered by many to be the ultimate thing story and i would highly recommend it i'm not going to say anything more we spoiled enough already um flash volume 254 nobody dies i think we we we, we talked about this in the previous episode it's a wally west story uh and i'll give you one more um this one's a uh, kind of offbeat it's action comics 414 it's 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 a bronze age it's i think a 14 page story it's got a really stupid title for a story, but it's well worth reading. It's called Superman versus Superstar, written by Carrie Bates. And it's what if Superman meets the man who plays Superman in the movies? And what if the man who plays Superman in the movies is so jealous of Superman that through sorcery, he's able to switch bodies with Superman? And it's all done in 14 pages. And once again, without giving it away, anything else away, the humanity of Superman is on display here. And how he solves the problem, and I think it's a great little story, and 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 a, that you know encapsulates—that's the right word—what uh, the Man of Steel is all about. Well, that's great. I, I look forward. I nice. look those look those up too. Chris, any honorable mentions that almost made the cut? <laughs> no, I mean there were just there were just a bunch of titles that I was like, ah, maybe you know I mentioned Spider-Man Blue, um, but a lot of them I felt like they they. Some some of the choices were um, I, I enjoy them, but they sort of it's sort of like when I when I try and figure out my top ten board games, um, and sometimes it's just you know these these two games occupy the same niche. One of them just happens to do a better job of it, and so I still love this game. But um, when I'm looking at top ten, that's part of what was dictating uh, some of the stories that I was picking, while also being honest about you know what do I read, what do I reread, what do I really enjoy versus. Yeah, I read it once and I really liked it. I don't feel the need to read it again. So um, there's nothing I can think of offhand that's worth mentioning as a, you know, almost got him. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's a good reference. I like that. Um, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a few things I wrestled with. I mean, we could always come back to this at some point. Our other top picks, um, you know, almost making the cut was Dark Knight Returns, the seminal Frank Miller book of, of reinventing the dark knight and i guess making him even darker than mm-hmm. denny o'neill and neil mm-hmm. adams made him um the uh, fa- fables is an excellent book i mean it's a really long story it went on for years but i, I love the concept of fables um if, if you don't know like fables is uh, all the fairy tales you grew up with um they lived in one land and they got kicked out of their land by uh a dark, an enemy that you eventually learn about as the story goes along. And then they have to take up residence in New York, um, <laughs> in a hidden part of New York. And they have to basically get on with their lives. Um, 
even though they're not in fantasy land anymore. And so it's, it's really great storytelling and I thought a great premise. Um, Invincible by Robert Kirkman, I, mm. I think is as close to fun superhero popcorn as like as Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1 was, but I think he's somehow managed to keep the vibe of Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1 through the entire run of Invincible. Um, so I think it's a great, great book. And um, I guess the last one I would mention that I, I still reread um, just because I'm, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of taking things that exist and sort of repurposing them. And that's Alan Moore's um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, Love that book. Uh, I I was, you know, I'm a fan of obviously of of monsters and stuff. So Jekyll and Hyde are in it. Invisible Man is in it. Alan Quartermain, Captain Nemo, Mm -hmm. um, Mina Harker from Dracula. It's it's a great book. Yes, it is. is. And I think it makes great use of, of... like I said, you have to have a working knowledge, I guess, of literature of that time period. I mean, you don't necessarily have to have it, but definitely helps. But he takes that literature and builds upon it and doesn't doesn't necessarily like um, dismiss, overturn, or undo the books that all these characters come from. So that would, those, that's like some of my honorable mentions. That's another reason why I think, again, comic books are great for kids because, you know, what better way to get them to read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's great. I mean, in fact, in reading those books, because I, when I read the... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I hadn't read those books in years, and some of them I had never read. It made me want to go back and read them, and it makes rereading League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that much better, um, yeah. having read the novels. Yeah, so. it's a, it's a I cycle. Mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many, um, it's a, you know, comic books, are, they say it's a gateway to get kids to read, quote-unquote, real literature. Uh, and comic books are telling so many dystopian future stories now. Well, if you really want to read a dystopian story, then go back and read 1984. It should be rec- required reading for every American. Yep. Because that is, I'm, I'm on my, I'm on my third reading of it right now, and um, it just scares the living crap out of me every time I read it. 1984 goes right there with reading Animal Farm too. Yep. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, Animal Farm, uh, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put all these books together, and holy crap! Look at they got it right. They, these guys were Notre Dame's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but so, yeah, it's good uh, stuff. Comics should should be able to push, hopefully, push kids or young adults in that direction, you know, reading, reading more, reading literature. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's comic done. Like, as we've already said, great comic book. Well done. will tell you a story and get you interested and curious and wanting to read more. Mm-hmm. Yes. Without doubt. Yes. So done, done properly. Correct. Absolutely. So, well, very good. Thank you everyone for joining us today on our part two of our top 10 list. Um, Please check out those books and uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I want to thank uh, Joe for, for being here. Pleasure to be here. And Chris. Happy to be here anytime. Thank you, James. Thank you, Joe. You're quite welcome. All right. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you in, next time. Okay.